Turning back to Revelation 21, verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. How often do you contemplate heaven? And how we all look forward to new things. There's something wonderful about new things. That word new is exciting because we have that, and rightly so, that confidence that if something's new, it must be good, and it will be good. It'll be right. Paul says in Colossians 3, since you have been raised, and it's since you are coming up and rising up, it's not just uh, something that happens in the past, it's something that's continuous. Since you have been raised, or since you are coming up, since you are rising up with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And if we're honest, our mindset is more focused on earthly things than on heavenly things. And someone will say, to be heavenly minded or too heavenly minded will mean that you'll be of no earthly use. We've all heard that. But to be heavenly minded will mean that we'll see things as they really are and see things as they really will be. To be heavenly minded is to see things from an elevated location, from a mountaintop, if you like. And so to see things as they really are and as they really will be will mean that we will be more earthly use. Why don't we speak more, hear more, talk more about heaven? Because heaven's a home for the Christian. Psalm 84, we read, we sang there. So they from strength and wearied go still forward unto strength until in Zion they appeared before the Lord at length. That's the journey that the Christian is on. Another translation puts it, whose heart is on the highway to Zion. I like that description. Whose heart is on the highway to Zion. This world is not our home. Our home is in the Father's house. Psalm 73, Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And being with you, I desire nothing on earth. Every Christian knows something of that, surely, yes. Being with you, I desire nothing on earth. 
I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. We all know something of that joy. I trust that joy will be something of our experience even now this evening. Asaph wrote, Whom have I in heaven but you? And being with you, I desire nothing on earth. But that came after a struggle with envying the arrogant, he said in Psalm 73. He nearly slipped away because he was envying the arrogant and the prosperity of the wicked. But then he received a reality check. And where did he receive the reality check? He found all as difficult to understand, he says, until he entered the sanctuary of God. What a precious place the sanctuary of God on earth is. You see, there's the same danger of distraction. He says he envied the arrogant and the prosperity of the wicked and the same danger of distraction in our own culture and all the information and how we can select our own information so that what we receive is comfortable and it agrees with us, agreeable to us. It was very different in days gone by and even in many parts and in for most of the world today where there's poor and persecuted and earthly things are not so good. But even when earthly things are good, there is this dissatisfaction. There must be more. Why? Well, Ecclesiastes 3.11 explains it, doesn't it? He has put eternity into man's heart. Our Creator has put eternity into our hearts. The biblical perspective on heaven is interesting. There's Heaven is referred to more than 500 times in Scripture, 54 times in the book of Revelation. In Hebrew, the word is Shemayin, which literally means the heights. And the New Testament, uh, the Greek word is Uranus, which, from which the planet Uranus, it literally means raised up. So heaven is a height, it is raised up. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul describes his experience of being caught up to the third heaven. And we understand by that that the first heaven is the atmosphere that surrounds the earth. The second heaven is beyond that atmosphere, into space and the heavenly bodies. And that as far as we, it just we can't explore the end of that, and we certainly haven't and probably never will. But the third uh, heaven is the throne, the, where the angels are, where the saints are. And then the questions arise, well, where is that? Where is it? Is it a real place? Well, it's a real place. Of course it is, because it's where Jesus has gone. That's where he is present after his departure in Acts 1, verse 9 to 11, is described for us. When Jesus had said these things, when they were asking about the time, and he, he said that wasn't 
for that time. And he said, when he said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Saw something this morning of the description. Again, Luke gives, uh, when he blessed them, the cloud came and he was taken up from them. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, it's interesting how they are addressed, men of Galilee. It's almost as if men of this part of the earth, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you, taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So he was being, he's been taken up into heaven, taken up from you into heaven, taken up so as now to be in heaven, as we saw this morning, taken up so as now to be in glory. He is in that place called heaven, where the throne is, where the administration of the sovereign God directs the affairs of the whole universe. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, angels, the children of God who have gone before. But where is it? Well, John, in Revelation 4, he is commanded, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Come up here. Well, in the Spirit... John is taken up. Now, how far up? Come up here. You know, we think of, think of dimensions. The moon is beautiful just now, this clear nights. It's over 200,000 miles away. 50 years ago, it was an eight-day trip. Speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. So light takes four seconds from the moon to the earth. Light takes four minutes to travel from Mars to the earth. From Jupiter is 367 million miles. Light takes 35 minutes. Saturn is 790 miles. Light takes an hour to come from Saturn, 790 miles. A jetliner at 500 miles an hour. I don't know if any of you do Flight Radar 24. I love looking at it every time a plane goes over. If I can, take my phone out and I can see what speed it's doing, what height it's at, where it's going, when it's due to arrive. I just love that. But... Uh, a jetliner averaging 500 miles an hour would take 180 years to reach Saturn. 
Pluto, billions of miles away, and we've only begun our journey. Could we have passed heaven? Could we have missed it on the way and not recognized it? Well, no, because I believe it is above this universe and above time and above space. Ephesians 4.10, again, He who descended, Jesus, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Jesus fills the whole universe. Abraham Kuyper, Prime Minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905, and how we could do with such Prime Ministers now, he's famously quoted as saying, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. And what great reassurance that brings to all who are his. Because he says, of all who are his, they are mine. I thought it was beautiful. The funeral of Katie, young Katie, McLeod, Duncan and Morax, Katie. Uh, that, uh, That promise, they shall be mine, says the Lord, in that day, in the day when I make up my jewels. What a beautiful promise for a loved one and to retain. The day I make up my jewels, they shall be mine. Heaven is higher than all the heavens. How long does it take then to get there? Well, that rebel on the cross, he had that promise You will be with me in paradise in a hundred thousand years? No. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Paul speaks of that momentary, that momentary arrival, from departure to arrival, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Away and at home. That moment experiencing the powerful surround sound of heaven. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Come up here. That discovery described by C.S. Lewis in his book, The Last Battle. And beautiful, amazing language in these books. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life. Though I never knew it until now. Come further up. Come further in. Come up here. But that's not the only picture of our forever home. There's more here in Revelation and more than I can understand or begin to describe. But we have these beautiful words, these amazing words. Then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth. When was that? That was after the judgment. I was listening to someone the other day, and he was speaking about the great white throne and the one who was seated on it. And it was the picture that Stephen was given of heaven as he looked up. And as he looked up, he saw Jesus rising. And you know, he said, he looked up and this was the throne. And you know, the judge is on the throne. And the question might be asked, where is the counsel for the defense? Because no one comes before uh, a judgment without a counsel for the defense. But the counsel for the defense, but the judge rises. And he is the counsel for the defense because we have an advocate with the Father. He is the judge, he is the advocate with the Father, the righteous one. He says, I saw a new heaven. Then after the judgment, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. What an amazing statement. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. A new heaven and a new earth. And that word new is not time-related. It's neos, is time-related. But the word here is kairos, which is quality-related. The identity of heaven and earth remains. But the quality is so different. Paul speaks of a Christian using in Christ, using the same word, the same language. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. There's a retention of identity, but a great quality change. And this has to happen. And then he says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. Oh, the sea, I love the sea. It's a wonderful feature of this blue planet. I love the sea. I love being at sea. And I want to think, I can't really want to think, I don't want to think of a new earth without sea. But I want to think that no more sea refers to the passing away of the first earth rather than a feature of the new earth. The Hebrew view of the sea was that which separates. And it's always restless. And it's always troubled. 
and it hides that which threatens, the beast that rises from the sea. So there's no more such sea that hides that which threatens. No more of these. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. The capital city of the new heavens and the new earth comes from the highest heaven down to earth. The new Jerusalem, the new city of peace from God. It's always been with God, prepared by God for the Lamb, for His Son. And it will never be without God. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And John gets a personal preview of this capital city of eternity for us in Revelation 21, verses 9 to 11. One of the seven angels with the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues spoke, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And then the description of the radiance of it, of the the sheer beauty of it. Shining with the glory of God, with who he really is. All these jewels, all these facets, all these attributes revealed by light. And flashing the reflection of God's glory, all his goodness. And the measure of it is amazing. He had a measuring rod of gold. <laughs> I was, was it uh, just recently too, just, just hearing uh, someone say, he put it this way, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him that it would be really gold. Of course it will be. And he says, he says, uh, uh, the, the measure of it, verse 15. The one who spoke to measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. City lies four square. Length the same as its width. It's a cube. And he measured the city with his rod. 12,000 stadia. 1,400 miles square. 2 million square miles of area. London. 20 miles by 20 miles, perhaps, maybe more, but say even 30 miles by 30 miles is 900 square miles. This city is 200 square miles, and it's 1,400 miles high, and the wall is 200 feet or 60 meters thick. According to human measures, he says, which is the measure of the angels. I'm not sure about what that means, but I just take it as I find it. But what a city, 1,400 square, 1,400 miles, 2 million square miles, and 1,400 miles high. What accommodation. No wonder Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. I like, in my Father's house are many mansions, because there's room for many mansions in this city. There's room 
for many dwelling places. Room for billions, but not millions, billions, I believe, is your place being prepared. Living in the city and the whole earth, moving around in and out of the city, the gates are never shut. We have that here. And those who are there are only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's no more important document in which to be named in the whole universe. What's life going to be like there? Well, there's going to be no more. He will wipe away every tear. God himself will be with them as their God. He will always be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away no more. And then he was seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Not I'm making something new, I'm making everything new. What a future awaits those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is this your future? Who are they? John 1 verse 12, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. As we finish then, what's it to be? There's two options, only two options. He was seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. It doesn't have to be all the rest. It doesn't have to be all the other horrible things like cowardly, detestable, murderer, sexually immoral sources. It just has to be one. What one? Faithless. To be unbelieving is enough to be consigned to that lake that burns with fire. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's God's word. All this will be your future.
C.S. Lewis again as we close in the last battle. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Behold, I am making everything new. May God bless his word to us. Let's close.